2,572 of the most boring episode of the Loan Officer Podcast you could ever tune into, unless you are looking at buying a home sometime in the next 30 days to next 20 months. Ding, 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 ding. Coleman, are you ready to do this with me? I'm ready as I'll ever be. Ladies and gentlemen, he is John Coleman. I am Dustin Owen, and you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast. And look, if you are looking at buying a home in the next 30 days to 20 months, you want to listen to the next 25 minutes. If you're not, you may want to come back to this when you are ready to buy a home within the next 30 (laughs) days to 20 months. Why? It's not going to be overly sexy and it's not going to be overly exciting. We'll do our best to entertain you, but we're going to dissect today's loan options that are available to those that are looking at not only purchasing a home, but also financing said purchase. Love it. You ready to do this? I am ready. So do me a favor. You are going to act as if you are the one that's looking to buy a house in the next 30 days to 20 months. Sounds good. I'm going to act like the professor extraordinaire that you are who knows anything and everything you want to know about mortgage options, home loan options, the loan programs that are currently available. But please know I do have a cheat sheet because I am not a know everything type person. There's just too much to know. There really is. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of pages of guidelines that a mortgage professional has to know to do their job. It's impossible to memorize it all. So what you have to do is memorize what you can and then know how quickly to research the things that you don't know. Plus, things are ever evolving, Mm -hmm. especially when you're dealing with um, events such as hurricanes and floods and fires and COVID-19. Because with all of those come new rules, new regulations, and new changes. So we have 25 minutes. This I could do for 2,500 minutes. (laughs) Imagine how boring that would be. We don't want to bore anybody. So we want to cut to the chase and get down to it. Let's get it. So there's about five or six types of loans that someone would look to to finance in today's arena, in today's home buying market. Yep. Now, these are the most common. Like These loan programs make up 95 to 97% of every loan being originated, every home being financed. Now, there are thousands of unique niche products that would be cumbersome to try to navigate. So we're not going to, unfortunately. What we're going to do is we're going to stick to conventional home loans, FHA home loans, VA home loans, USDA home loans. And then if time permits, we can talk briefly about jumbo home loans. And we can talk about portfolio lending. Okay. But we're going to start with conventional home loans because more than 50% of every home loan being originated is considered a conventional loan, conforming loan. Okay. Um, And even those other types of loans, they follow very similar principles when someone's trying to qualify. Okay. And when I say principles, I'm talking about how they calculate income, how they look at employment the fact that they require an appraisal, how they look at assets, assets is how much money you have in the bank, Um, how they calculate your ability to repay, okay? So it's good to know that although we're gonna maybe geek out a little bit on conventional financing, that a lot of the principles apply to FHA, VA, and USDA financing. Good to know. So a conventional loan 
typically, the way that I know it and the way that I teach it is one in which is backed by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Okay, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are quasi-government agencies that not only set the rules and set the tone for mortgage lending throughout the U.S., but Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac also purchase those mortgages from banks and lenders to provide liquidity, liquidity money, to the market so that, so that banks and lenders can continue to lend. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac do not lend money to you, the consumer. You as John Coleman are not going to go to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and ask them for money. Okay. You're also not going to go to HUD or the Department of Veteran Affairs or the United States Department of Agriculture and ask them for money. Although those three, just like Fannie and Freddie, also support homeownership through loan programs that they basically back or securitize. Okay. Um, you can't make a mortgage payment to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. You're not going to go to a bank like a Wells Fargo or a Chase or a mortgage company like a Movement Mortgage or a Waterstone Mortgage and obtain a loan and then turn around and make your payments to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Okay. Okay. Now, those four institutions may do a loan for you based on what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac allow. They may then, behind the scenes, sell that loan to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, mm-hmm. but you'll still always make your payments to... One of the, one of the yeah Wells Fargo Chase Waterstone Mortgage gotcha. Movement yep so when you're obtaining a loan a conventional loan you're going to have to qualify first and you qualify based on four different factors your main factors first what type of property are you buying because this matters is it a primary home is it a vacation home or is it an investment property mm-hmm. okay. Um, is it a condo? Is it a townhome? Is it a single family home? Is it a manufactured home? Or maybe it could be a four unit. We call this quadruplexes. A three unit. Triplex. Triplex. How about this one? A two unit. Duplex. Yep. Or a single family okay. residence. That matters. Not only does it matter what type of property, but also is it worth what you're paying for? Is it worth what you're trying to get us to financing? We have to appraise it. And then once it appraises, is the home in livable condition? Is the home um, safe? Meaning, does it does it have any features about it that make it unsafe to live in? So that's one factor, the property itself. Another factor is your assets. What type of money are you bringing to the table? So we want to know not only what type, or how much money uh-huh. to go towards down payment, how much do you have left over, how much of a down payment, where is that money coming from? We're also going to look at your income, not only how much do you make, but how long have you been making that type of income? How are you paid? Is it commissioned? Is it bonus? Is it self-employed? We're going to want to know um, how consistent is it? Is it is it going to continue for the next three years or five years? So there's various qualifying matrices that go into this. Mm-hmm. And then not only, you know, we looked at property and we looked at income, looked at assets, how about your your debts, your liabilities? Mm-hmm. It's not just credit score, but how long have you had credit for? Is it new credit or are, are, do you have a history of having credit? And the history of you, of you having credit, is it good? Is it bad? Is it poor? Is it average? And then how much do you owe other people? Student loans and credit cards. Mm-hmm. So all of that is looked at in conventional financing. And I spent this first three or four minutes talking about that because that also applies to FHA, VA, USDA, portfolio lending, uh, and it also applies to jumbo lending. Very cool. Okay, so just know off the bat, 
whichever type of loan you choose or is best for you, all of that's going to apply. All of that is, is going to be needed to be documented. You document things with things like pay stubs and W-2s and tax returns and possibly IRS tax transcripts. And by the way, if you're obligated to pay al- alimony or child support, you need to document that. And oh, by the way, if you're trying to use alimony and child support as income, you have to document that you receive it, right? So everything's going to be documented. That doesn't just apply to conventional financing. It applies to all the other uh, types as well. So just know that as a home buyer, someone who's looking at buying a home in the next 30 days or 20 months, this is going to be required of you. Okay. Okay. Back more on what conventional financing is. The great thing about conventional financing is it allows us to finance all those property types that I mentioned. It allows us to also finance investment properties as well as vacation properties, as well as primary residences. Mm. And I make a distinction with that because FHA, VA, and USDA, if it ends in A, it's only for a primary residence. A primary residence is one that you're going to physically live in yourself. Rule of thumb. Rule of thumb. If it ends in A, you better live there. Nice. FHA, USDA, and VA. Conventional is going to let us know, wait a minute. No, you can own a rental property. We can finance that for you. Hmm. Conventional is going to say, oh, you want to have a vacation condo at the beach? I'm your guy. Hmm. Let's use a conventional loan. Now, a conventional loan doesn't mean it has to be a 30-year fixed. It's the most common 30-year fixed, meaning your interest rate is fixed for 30 years. Your repayment is over a 30-year period of time. There's also 20-year fixed mortgages, and there's also 15-year fixed mortgages. What do you think, John, on a 20-year fixed mortgage? Is your payment going to be higher or lower than the 30-year? Lower. Payment. Payment's going to be higher because it's less higher. Yes. Yes. Yep. 15 is going to be even higher than that. Mm -hmm. Many people choose to go with a 30-year fixed mortgage because it gives them the lowest payment. It's fixed in. The interest rate's not going to change. Mm -hmm. You can always pay more if you want to. Hmm. But there are 20-year fixed options. There are 15-year fixed options. In certain instances, there's actually 25- and 10-year options. I would guess that less than 2% of all conventional loans being originated are unique like that. Most are 30. The second popular would be 15. The third popular would be 20. Question for you. Yes. So uh, that's interesting. So if you have a 30, why doesn't everybody just do the 30-year and then have a lower monthly payment and just try to pay it off quicker? Because a 20-year fixed mortgage typically comes with a slightly lower interest rate, mm-hmm. and a 15-year fixed mortgage comes with a even lower than that interest rate. Okay. And there's something to be said about forced savings. Mm-hmm. When you're forced to do something, right, you have no other choice. So it forces someone to make that extra payment. A lot of people who can afford the payment might not trust themselves to do a 30-year and then pay the extra four or $500 a month on their own. Uh, okay. They like the fact that it's already set in and done for them. Gotcha. And you know, anyone who listens to the podcast, you know my thoughts and feelings on a 15-year fixed mortgage. It's literally like the last thing you look to do after you've maxed out 401ks and you have an IRA and your kid's college is paid for and you have six months reserve and no credit card debt and <gasps> okay. Then you can maybe look at a 15-year fixed mortgage. At least that's my take on it as as a professional and as a person. Um, So back on conventional financing. There are loan programs through conventional financing that are specific for people that have low to moderate income. 
Meaning if your household income is below your area's median income, you are eligible for a loan product that others aren't. Oh, okay. There's also loan programs that are that are available if you are a first-time home buyer that other loan programs are not. But in a nutshell, you can obtain a conventional loan for a primary purchase, so primary home, with as little as 3% down. You only need 3% down. Now, like anything in life, th- these things are all risk-based. So putting 3% down makes your loan more risky, so it makes it more difficult to finance or to, to qualify for. Mm-hmm. Putting 5% down makes it a little bit easier. Putting 10% down, easier. 15% down, 20, 25. Mm-hmm. And we tend to operate in increments of five. With the exception of 97% financing that requires 3% down, everything else is going to be either 5, 10, 15, 20. So many times a home buyer will be like, well, I want to put down $17,000. I'm like, that's just a random arbitrary number. Like, where are you coming? Where yeah. are you getting that from? And usually there's a reason, right? Well, because I have 30000 saved and I know I need this much for closing costs and I want to keep this much in my bank account. But normally, what I instruct that person is like, look, you're going to either put down 3%, 5%, 10%. There's no really good reason most times. There's always going to be that outlier where, oh, and for me, it actually made sense because I worked this angle for most of us, yeah. 99% of us. Yeah. We're either going to put down three or five, five or 10, 10 or 15. There's no benefit for putting down 12, like 12%. Mm -hmm. I always tell people like, take that extra 2%, which is probably like, I don't know, five grand. Keep it in your bank account. It just, it just does more for you. Makes sense. Um, But, uh, you know, conventional financing, um, if you are buying a vacation home, minimum down payment is 10%. So although I was talking about 3% and 5% down options, that's only if you're buying a primary home. N's and A. No, that's totally different. Damn it. Yeah. Nice try, though. I tried. I really <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Conventional ends in an L. I know that University of Tampa education is definitely coming in uh, handy right now for you. If it ends in A, you only can finance a primary home. Gotcha. What I was trying to say is if you want to put 3% or 5% down, you have to buy a primary home as well. Gotcha. This is conventional lending. Gotcha. But thanks for keeping me on my toes. I totally appreciate it. <laughs> so if you're wanting to buy a vacation home, the minimum down payment is 10%. If you're wanting to buy an investment property, I'm going to tell you the minimum down is 20%. Technically, it's 15%. Technically. I promise you, if you look at the numbers and you look at the pricing for trying to buy an investment property and put 15% down... You're just going to want to put 20% down, Mm. period, end of story. And like anything, when you look at your interest rate or your ability to qualify, if you put 25% down on an investment property purchase, it'll be easier to qualify and you get a better interest rate. If you put 30% down, easier to qualify, better interest rate. Gotcha. Um, And that's kind of the basics of conventional financing. The one reason why um, a home buyer might not look at a conventional loan versus a FHA, a VA, or a USDA would definitely be the fact that they are the most restrictive when it comes to risk assessment, meaning they do the best job of um, supporting those that are well-qualified and make it more difficult for those that are less Mm -hmm. well-qualified. To give you an example, 
A conventional loan is going to have longer wait periods for someone to obtain financing if they previously had a short sale or a foreclosure or a bankruptcy as compared to a person who was um, utilizing FHA, VA, or USDA. Mm. So if you had a foreclosure previously and you want to do a conventional loan, it's a seven-year wait period where the others are going to be two years or three-year wait period. Um, so that would be a possible knock on it. Another knock would be, although the minimum credit score for all conventional loans is 620, like that is a, that's not a bank or lender specific. That is a, a minimum loan amount is 620. Just because you're eligible doesn't mean you will qualify. Explain. Okay. Well, eligible means yes, yes, you can do it. Mm. It would be like uh, being a kid and, um, you you asking your mom, um, can I or 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 uh, yeah, you know? I got you. Okay. Can, can versus will. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you ever got, got that? Yeah. Hey, mom, uh, can you run up and buy me some ice cream? Yeah, sure, I can. Will I? No. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Will I? No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. So yeah, so eligibility and qualifying are two separate things. Six twenty is the minimum credit score you need to be eligible, but. When you start looking at what it takes to qualify in terms of down payment, uh, in terms of having the most squeaky clean debt to income ratio, or if you look at the interest rate that you are eligible for with that 620 credit score, you may do a double take, especially if you're buying a primary home, and maybe you'll look at a different loan program that may have be less restrictive. Something also to know about a conventional loan is that it has maximum loan limits. So you can't go out in most markets and obtain a conventional home loan for a million dollars. Most markets, it's uh, $510,400. That's the maximum conventional loan limit. So if you bought a home for roughly $560,000, you could put 10% down. As long as your loan size was under $510,400, you could do a conventional loan. And keep in mind, that's loan limit. That's not purchase price. Mm. Big difference, right? Because mm-hmm. purchase price is what you bought the house for less your down payment. So loan limit. So that's good to know that there is a maximum loan limit because, and, and, and by the way, in certain markets, Manhattan, California, parts of Miami, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae do have what are called high balance loan limits where they, they extend it up. You know, and they extend it somewhere, let's say in the $700,000 range. So if you're in California listening to this, your loan limit's going to be greater than those in Orlando or those in Charlotte or those in Atlanta uh, who, who are listening. Good to know. Okay, makes sense. So that's the basics of conventional financing. The second most popular type of loan is an FHA loan. FHA, just like conventional, it's going to have maximum loan limits. Their loan limits are less. So in most markets, and you would have to actually Google search this because it literally changes based on your MSA or, or the, the metropolitan area you live in. Here in the central Florida, in most markets, by the way, um, that number is 331760 That's very specific. Yep. Uh, 331760 is your maximum loan limit, not your maximum purchase price. Loan limit. Now, with an FHA loan, at a minimum, you're putting 3.5% down. Okay, so 3.5% down. If there's ever a, a, a big knock on, on FHA loans, two of them. One, every single FHA loan that, that is originated comes with what's called monthly mortgage insurance. Monthly mortgage insurance is, is, a, is an extra monthly payment included in your mortgage payment that the home buyer pays 
it basically protects HUD, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, and the lenders who participate in their program, FHA, against you going into default. Mm. It's an insurance policy for, for, for lenders, basically. Lenders and investors against you going into default. Okay. Um, conventional financing has that as well when you're not putting 20% down. But conventional financing, depending on variables, you can structure and originate loans that either don't have monthly mortgage insurance or the monthly mortgage insurance um, is not permanent or it may be cheaper. But with FHA, it is what it is. It's kind of like you get what you get and you don't get upset. It's something that we taught our kids when they were in um, like preschool. You get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Yeah. Okay. With FHA and their monthly mortgage insurance, it is what it is. Like, nope, you have it. Nope, it's this much money. FHA also has what's called upfront mortgage insurance. Basically, it's like a surcharge or a premium. Mm -hmm. You may buy that house for $200,000 and you may put down your three and a half percent, which your three and a half percent is probably $7,000, but you're actually not going to finance 193. You're going to finance 193 plus that upfront mortgage insurance premium. Uh, okay. Okay. So that, that would be a knock on an FHA loan, but let me talk about all the positives. All the positives are it's less restrictive. It's more forgiving. So where a conventional loan will penalize someone for having a 680 credit score, because 680 is not great, it's average. Mm -hmm. 780 would be great. FHA doesn't penalize you. Like, oh, 680, you'll get the same exact interest rate as someone with a 780. Hmm. So that's a positive. We already talked about FHA ending in A. So if it ends in A, John, can I can I use FHA to buy a vacation home? No. Okay, it ends in A. Can I use FHA to buy an investment property? No. Yes. Why? Because it ends in A. A is only for what types of properties? Primary residences. Yes. Primary residences. Okay. So I'm going to use my FHA loan to purchase a primary residence. I'll get real geeky on you. Okay. If I bought a two-unit property. Duplex. A duplex. Can I use FHA? Yes. Yes, you can. Yes. Now, I technically could have one unit that I live in and one unit that I rent out. Ah. So if you ever want to get real technical with someone... Technically, you could have an income-producing primary residence that you used FHA financing for. Mind blown. Mind blown. There you go. Um, so we also use FHA for, for someone who maybe had a bankruptcy just discharged a couple years ago. Okay. Conventional is going to want us discharged for four years. FHA is going to say two years. Um, maybe the person's debt-to-income ratio is a little bit elevated. And a lot of times it's elevated because maybe they have – side hustle money that for whatever reason, neither conventional nor FHA allow us to use in qualifying, but it's there. So they're comfortable with a monthly payment. FHA typically would be a little bit more lenient on uh, what they allow for a debt to income ratio. Okay. So that would be a, a, um, you know, a positive for it. And, and I said it earlier, but I'll repeat it. FHA has shorter waiting periods. If someone had a previous mistake or blunder or boo-boo, you know, had to hit the reset button and they had a short sale just three years ago, or they had a foreclosure just three years ago, FHA is going to allow them to finance, um, again uh -huh. after three years where conventional wouldn't, they'd make uh, them wait even longer. Okay. Um, now again, there's exceptions to the rules, but trying to keep things simple and around 25 minutes, I'm already afraid we're going to go over it. Um, 
just know that you typically don't have multiple FHA loans outstanding. You can have multiple FHA loans in your lifetime, okay, but you're not going to have a home that you bought five years ago when you lived in Atlanta, financed through FHA. Then you bought uh, the first home in Orlando and you used FHA, and then you're going to. And by the way, you kept that home in Atlanta. You're, uh-huh. You want because you kept it as a rental, and then now, no, you're not going to do that. You typically. There are exceptions and there's certain caveats that someone can have multiple FHA loans at the same time. Normally you don't, Okay. but you could have used FHA in your home in Atlanta, sold it, use FHA to buy your home in Orlando, sold it. And then when you moved to Dallas, used an FHA loan to, to buy a home there. Okay. All that is acceptable. Okay. And you do not have to be a first time home buyer. Mm. All right. So those between conventional and FHA, like you're, you're truly following the bulk. Yeah. Um, you know, something that we also like about FHA is they're pretty lenient when it comes to things like gift funds. So if you can't come up with a three and a half percent needed for your down payment, but you know, your folks are willing to pitch in or maybe granny's willing to, to pitch in cause she's helped all the other grandkids somehow, some way, uh-huh. even if it was like cousin Bobby getting bailed out of jail, granny stepped up to the plate and helped out. And so now she feels like she owes you too. Yeah. Um, you can utilize gift funds for your down payment, utilizing FHA, pretty easy to document, pretty easy to move forward. Okay. So FHA and conventional, that is literally probably guessing here. of every loan that is originated is either a conventional or an FHA. Good to know. Now, my favorite, favorite, favorite loan, favorite loan to ever originate is a VA loan. VA. Mm -hmm. Veterans. Administration. Okay. Yep. So this is through the Department of Veteran Affairs. Um, This is a loan program only for active military or veterans of the military, those who who served our country. Mm -hmm. And... There's a eligibility matrix that has to be followed, meaning if you went to boot camp, went AWOL, and then <laughs> yeah. and then bailed, no, you probably don't have gotcha. any eligibility. You don't have any veteran benefits. But if you served our country, even if you served it as a reservist, as long as you put in enough time and as long as you haven't done anything to lose your eligibility, then you will qualify for a VA loan. Now, V... A. It ends in what letter? A. All right. So can I use my VA benefits for a vacation home purchase or an investment property? You can use it not for the vacation, but you can for the investment. Get out of town. Come on. It ends in A. I know. Okay. I was going to say no for both, but then I was like, this is a curveball. You know, no, it's like. No, no. I mean. If neither. Neither. You neither. It ends either. in freaking A, John. <laughs> if it ends in A, it's for a primary home purchase. Unless it's a duplex and it gets... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A primary home purchase is one in which you are going to live in. And by the way, a primary home purchase, this is for all my friends in the Northeast, all my friends in the Northeast who, because it's so darn expensive to actually own, they'll want to call and they'll want to own a vacation home in in Central Florida because who wouldn't want to be down here? The weather's beautiful. And they're like, yo, but I've never owned a home before. So it's my... it's. It's, it's my primary. I'm like, mm, no, I go, you know, what do you do for a living? You know, oh, well, I'm the, you know, fourth grade teacher here at this elementary school. All right. So how are you going to drive to work every day? Like you, you live in, you, you live in New Jersey. Like it's not a primary home. Yeah. Okay. A primary home is when that's where you live. Mm-hmm. You can rent an apartment in New Jersey. And if you're buying a home in Florida, 
it's a vacation home. Okay, or it's a investment property. It is not your primary because you've never owned one before. Yes. I saw where you were going with that, so I just went ahead and jumped it. I jumped out ahead of that one. Uh, you know, took on that charging bull head on and, and tackled it. Um, no, so VA, it, it is for a primary home purchase. Okay. Now, veteran or active military, your dad who served in Vietnam cannot just bequeath you his VA benefits. It doesn't work that way. But I thought... Nope. But... Nope. Nope. Okay. And I, I bring that up because that, that's a that's a common misconception or just question. Well, you know, my brother never used his. He said I could use it. I'm like, no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. It's for veteran and spouse. Only. Only. Okay. Yep. No, you're you're not gonna, you know, oh my dad will co sign he was a veteran. Nope. It's not Navy Federal Credit Union. Yeah, I'd, um, uh, I've seen the commercial. Yes, for family and stuff. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm not not overly familiar with that <laughs> with that banking institution, um, but uh, but yeah, I'm talking about VA yeah. home loans. Navy Federal may have a loan program that actually will allow mm. a veteran to co-sign for their child. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, it, I would never say never. How about that? Yeah. But we're talking again VA home loans. Here's the best thing about VA. Here's why I love it. Love, love, love it. Zero percent down. Zero. Zero. Yep. You have full entitlement, no money down. What? When it comes to maximum loan limits, they don't have any. No. So they got zero percent down and no limit on the Yes. Now the no loan limit is a new phenomenon. Right? So the 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 Blue Water Act was passed about a year ago and it opened up uh VA's um uh, lending capabilities. It used to be VA would mirror whatever conventional was doing. So if conventional said the maximum loan limit was 510,400, uh-huh. then VA would say, okay, if you want to utilize hundred percent financing, our maximum is going to be 510,400. You could go above that, but then that would require some form of a down payment. And there was a mathematical formula for us to follow us, meaning lenders and banks. Okay. Currently VA will technically allow 100% financing, but most lenders will impose their own caps. So like the mortgage company that I know best, um, which is Waterstone Mortgage where yeah. I work, yeah. um, ours is a million dollars. Okay. So we'll do 100% financing up to a million. If you go over a million dollars, then then you're going to have to put some form of a down payment down. Okay. But in a nutshell, just know most people, like when you're talking about the average sales price in most metropolitans is somewhere around... Two hundred and twenty-five to two hundred seventy-five thousand uh-huh. dollars. Most people they're going to be under the five ten four hundred. Let alone you know not needing to go up to six or seven hundred eight hundred thousand dollars and do hundred percent financing. Yep. But a VA loan is one hundred percent financing, and there's no type of monthly mortgage insurance. So all of the other loan programs, if it's conventional and you're not putting twenty percent down, you have to either pay mortgage insurance or choose a loan product that has a unique feature where you can avoid monthly mortgage insurance. Yet there's some there's some catch, there's some workaround that you're going to have to to um, work or work with or manipulate with. Okay. FHA, we already know it has monthly mortgage insurance. VA doesn't have any. So that saves you money. That's less money coming out of your pocket. And VA, it's pretty flexible with their pricing just like with FHA, they don't have the same risk-based pricing premiums imposed on their interest rates. Meaning a 660 credit score 
theoretically is going to get the same exact interest rate as a 760 credit score. VA sounds awesome. It's fantastic. You just have to go serve our, our country and come back. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Right? I mean, serve your country and you're going to be eligible as long as you know you weren't dishonorably discharged or as long as you didn't um, obtain a VA home loan and then have it go into foreclosure because those things could actually uh, jeopardize okay. what you're eligible for in terms of your, your entitlement. But it is. It's, it's, it's a fantastic loan program. And most lenders in today's day and age, they're going down to about a 620 credit score on their VA. Um, VA actually allows you to go lower, but you know, ultimately the lender who's doing the loan, because just like with a conventional loan, you don't make your pay, you do not make your payments to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac on a VA loan. You're not making your payments to the department of veteran affairs. Mm. Just like with FHA, you're not making your payments to HUD or to FHA. No, you're making your payments to a lender, to a servicer, to a bank. Ultimately that bank and that servicer is in partnership with VA, with HUD, that those two institutions are stating to the banks and lenders, as long as you all did your due diligence and you followed our rules, we will, we have your back. If something goes wrong, we have your back. We will help you financially if our veteran mm -hmm. stops making payments. Now, if you didn't do your due uh -oh. diligence, yeah. you're on uh -oh. your luck. Uh -oh. yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah, good luck. You're on your own. <laughs> So because of that, a lot of times banks and lenders will impose their own minimum requirements. Like, hey, although I know VA will let me do a 580 credit score, I'm going to tell you 600 or I'm going to tell you 640. Okay. Um, so it's just a good rule of thumb. 620 is just a good rule of thumb. Can, can you do a VA and a USDA and an FHA loan below 620? Yes, you can. But most lenders in today's post-COVID world they're going to be somewhere around 620 as a minimum. And remember, that's eligible. You're eligible at that credit score. It doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to qualify. Um, VA does have what's called a funding fee. So similar to when, when we discussed FHA having an upfront fee, a mm -hmm. surcharge, mm -hmm. VA has a funding fee as well. Um, and, and if you're a first-time user of your VA benefits, the funding fee is less than if you're a second-time or subsequent user. Mm -hmm. And if you are disabled per the VA – even if it's just 10% uh, disabled, you're receiving a small disability income, you don't pay the funding fee. Mm. Um, something else about VA that I think is uh, a lot of times misunderstood is um, veterans think they can only use it once. Like, oh, well, man, I used my VA back in the 80s to buy my first house. Unlimited uses? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, now... You might not be able to have multiple VA loans all at the same time because you only have a certain amount of entitlement. Basically, entitlement is kind of like a credit or a coupon. Mm -hmm. So there's, so if you have one VA home loan outstanding, you've used up some, if not all, of your entitlement. So if you want to try to go get a second VA home loan, maybe you want to keep your first one as a rental property and you want to go buy a second, you can do that. But please know that you have less entitlement. Entitlement is going to impact how much home you can actually purchase. Mm -hmm. Or it's going to dictate that if you go above a certain sales price, you're going to be required to put some kind of a down payment. Gotcha. And again, this is a it's a mathematical formula that uh, whatever lender or bank that you're currently in communication with would end up running for you, based on. I mean, they can they can hop into the VA system and uh, VA portal, mm -hmm. and they can pull your entitlement. Okay. But uh, but just know. 
if you're a veteran, you know, these are, these are things that, that are kind of like myths. Now, FHA and VA are going to be typically 30 year fixed instruments. They have 20 year, they have 15 year, all of these loan programs, conventional FHA and VA do have arms, adjustable rate mortgages. And arm is essentially this, your rates fixed for a certain time period, usually five years or seven years after that time period, it becomes an adjustable, meaning every year based on what the market is doing, your rate will adjust. It could go down. It could stay the same. It could go up. Only one of those is bad. We don't do that many arms as an industry for conventional FHA or VA to really spend a lot of time today jumping into an arm, but just know what an arm is. Typically someone would use an arm if it helped them achieve a cheaper interest rate, because maybe you knew you're only going to be owning this home for the next three to four years, or you're only going to have this mortgage for three or four years because you're going to pay it off. As soon as you retire, you're going to pay this off. As soon as this happens, you're going to pay this off. And if you could obtain a cheaper interest rate on an arm, maybe someone would use an arm, but man, rates are so dirt cheap. Why wouldn't you want to fix in for 15, 20 or 30 years is my opinion yeah. and have that security, have that insurance that if in three years or four years, something changes or you change your mind that you don't have to worry about messing with your home loan. You don't have to worry about your loan now being adjustable. So because of that, that's about the extent of talking about arms. I think it's good for the audience to know that it is an option yeah. with both conventional FHA and VA. For sure. Um, something else with VA that comes up. Do I have to pay closing costs on a VA loan? Yes. I'm saying yes, yes, yes. Somewhere, somehow, and I'm sure it's through marketing efforts and miscommunication and fake news there's this like assumption that you don't have to pay closing costs. Now, VA has what's called non-allowable fees, and they have rules for lenders and banks that state these fees cannot be paid by the veteran, especially if they exceed 1% of the sales price or 1% of the loan amount. But those fees are only a portion of what could be total closing mm -hmm. costs, depending on the state that you live in, the state that you're financing. And a lot of times those fees are less than 1%. So you're going to pay them yeah, because it's only if it's over 1%. Yeah. Now there's a lot of lenders and I've may very well work for one and have worked for one where we, as a benefit to our veterans have gone through various um, stages, years, quarters, months, et cetera, where we just didn't charge underwriting and processing fees to our veteran borrowers. Mm. It was just a, a, another way of saying thank you. Now, I'll tell you, look, you're paying for it one way or the other, right? It's like, okay, your rate may have been an eighth higher. An eighth higher means your monthly payment's $15 more per month. Yeah. But you didn't pay $1,000 up front in lender fees. It's, yeah. um, it's really negligible. The, the really options all home buyers should have, whether you pay lender fees or don't. But a big misconception out there is that, oh, I'm a veteran. I don't have to pay any closing costs. Like, yeah, no, you do. Mm -hmm. Like, in fact, VA loans, they require an appraisal. You got to pay for that. That could be 450 bucks. By the way, you're going to close, depending on your state, with a, with a title company or a closing attorney. They don't work for free. You got to pay them. Mm -hmm. Oh, hey, by the way, your state whether it's Maryland, whether it's Florida, or one of the plethora of other states out there, <laughs> they have a plenitude of fees 
document stamps on deeds and mortgages that you pay. Those are closing costs. Like we love our veterans, but please know if you're a veteran and you're obtaining a VA home loan, you do have closing costs. Okay. You may or may not have lender fees depending on how that particular lender or bank operates, but you will have title company fees and appraisal fees and, and state charges and county charges. Oh, by the way, you're going to have homeowner's insurance. You're also going to have real estate taxes, and those are sometimes collected or impounded at closing. Jesus. So you will have closing costs. Just know that. But a VA home loan is fantastic. Like Think about getting a cheap interest rate on a 30-year fixed with flexible underwriting requirements like 620 credit score. We're cool with that. Two years post-bankruptcy. We're cool with that. Hmm. No monthly mortgage insurance. Like no monthly mortgage insurance. I'll put it in perspective for you. That's like a $125 to $250 savings per month. Monthly savings. Yeah. That because you are a veteran or you're in your active military. I mean, phenomenal. What a great instrument. That's, I like to think of mortgages as financial instruments to help home purchasing. Because no one ever woke up and said, God, I'd love to get a mortgage today. Yes, let's go in debt for 30 years or 15 years. No, everyone wants to become homeowners. Mm -hmm. So a home loan or a mortgage is nothing more than a financial instrument that helps you achieve home ownership. We have conventional loans, we have FHA loans, we have VA loans, and we have USDA loans. United States Department of Agriculture. It is another 100% financing loan option. It ends in A, John. Okay. God, so, professor, here we go. So what type of, uh, of purchase does this need to be? Primary residence. Primary home loan. There you go. Now, USDA, I think of cattle. I think of beef. I swear I think of yeah, beef. Perfect. Rural. Yeah. Rural. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Rural. <laughs> but you got to be living in the country for this, or at least in an area deemed to be rural by the most recent census um like we're, we're going to go into a census year right mm -hmm. yeah so a rural area so if you're living in the city or city limits a usda loan's not going to be for you sorry winter park sorry winter park yeah <laughs> yep sorry um um uh, druid hills up in atlanta <laughs> buckhead up in atlanta right yeah sorry about your luck guys um Sorry, Tenley Park up in Illinois. Like, yeah, there's, 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 sorry, Charlotte, you don't really fit. Um, no, but it's, but you know what? Parts of, parts of Charlotte, mm. or maybe if you're in Illinois, you get south of Mokina, mm. um, right? If you are maybe not Winter Park, but maybe in between Orlando and Tampa, maybe in Davenport, oh, right? Okay. So there's maybe parts of Osceola County if we're talking similar. Yeah. So a USDA loan, primary home. Needs to be in an area deemed rural by the USDA. You can go online and you can actually type USDA eligibility map. It'll let you know whether or not, whether or not that home is eligible for a rural loan. Okay. And then something unique about this. USDA is specifically for not only people buying primary homes in rural areas, but they also have household income limits. And they also need to know that their loan program is a last resort loan program. So what I mean by that, income limits is pretty easy. They look at you, your household size, so you know mom's living with you or kids or wifey or whatever. How many people in your house? What's that total income between everyone living in there? That's about everybody. Uh, everybody. Okay. If it exceeds their threshold, then uh, you're not eligible. Mm. Okay. So just know it has income eligibility. 
they want to make sure that that um, you know, your income is not over their threshold. Hmm. And when I say last resort, it's 100% financing because the, the, the money that's earmarked to back the mortgages for USDA financing are typically for people who have moderate to low income. And because of that, they don't have a whole lot of assets or money at their disposal, and they're living out in underserved areas, rural areas. Uh. Okay. So with, with that, if you have 20 or 30 grand sitting in the bank, even if you are out in the country, even if your household income is, is within threshold, you're now eligible for a conventional loan or you're eligible for an FHA loan. Dang. USDA is going to say thanks, but no thanks. Cool. Like they're, they're reserving their, um, but you know, other than that, it's, I mean, it's a hundred percent financing. It, it, it has a, a slight guarantee fee, right? So just like the other two loans that end in a, and that are only for primary homes, FHA and VA USDA does have a guarantee fee. So a surcharge, yeah. uh, that's how I, de I describe it. And it's also going to have a monthly, um, uh, insurance impact premium, um, similar to PMI that you're going to pay. Okay. It's a lot less than what you'd pay for FHA, but obviously it's more than VA because VA, how much do you pay in monthly mortgage insurance? Donuts. Donuts. Zeros. Yep. Zeros. Um, so what does that leave us with? We covered the four basics, portfolio and jumbo. I, jumbo interests me. Yeah. Jumbo sounds jumbo, right? It sounds, sounds like awesome. Every time I see it in an email, it's always capitalized. Yeah. Is that like a thing? They're like hashtag swag. I, I don't know. Is, is it <laughs> hashtag jumbo. Does it stand <laughs> for something? Yeah, big. <laughs> it okay. stands for big. Okay. Um, yeah, it's uh, anytime. It, it's also known as like non-conforming, jumbo, non-conforming. Um, anytime that your loan amount is going to exceed what is allowed by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So right in this market, we said that's 510400 This market, by the way, is Orlando, Florida. <laughs> um, Tampa, Jacksonville, all follow it. I believe Atlanta, Georgia, most markets in um, the country follow this. So jumbo is something in which your loan size is going to be uh, higher than that. Mm. Typically, if you're doing a jumbo loan, you're not doing anything less than 5% down. And many lenders want 10, 15, or even 20% down. So it's a, it's look at the end of the day, it's a supply and demand business. And when the minute you go over 510,400, you have less buyers. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, they buy mortgages. They securitize them. They they offer a, a outlet, a partnership to banks and lenders. Mm -hmm. The minute you get outside of that realm, it becomes riskier. Mm. There's less places a bank or a lender can deliver that loan, securitize that loan, sell that loan. Well, if I'm going to do something that's deemed riskier, then I need to put tighter restrictions on it. So that that is what a jumbo loan is. Typically, anytime you're financing over the maximum conforming loan limit in your market, most markets, that's 510400 Gotcha. Um, portfolio lending. So portfolio lending would be a loan that you do not sell to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac because it doesn't meet their guidelines. You do not sell to VA, FHA, or, v or USDA because it does not meet their guidelines. Portfolio is like private. It's yours. Usually only banks offer portfolio lending because banks are going to take their assets, which their assets are your checking account, my yeah. savings account, my grandma's CD, everything else. They're going to take their assets and lend it out, right? Because they're only paying us 1% or half a percent on our savings. They'll lend it out at four and a quarter percent. 
Um, but they get to make their own rules. It's just, it's old school banking 101. So they approve it themselves. It's up to them. Yep. It's up to them. They get to set their guidelines. They can, they know what their appetite is. They know uh, what they're willing to do, what they're not willing to do. And um, yeah, it, there's, they, there's guides, but they're way looser. They're yeah. like guidelines. Like, Hey, kind of follow this, but you know. So portfolio it, with a portfolio loan, could it be like a combination of all like 0% down with unlimited limit, but you have, is it like. Correct. Yep. Yeah, okay. yeah. Each bank, each lender, and they're usually banks doing portfolio lending because banks have deposits. Deposits are assets you now can lend. Mm-hmm. An independent mortgage banker might not have any deposits because there's no bank involved. That's what it, yeah. So uh, because of that, then it's much harder to do a portfolio loan. Now, an independent mortgage banker could go partner with a bank and could originate loans and sell them after the fact to that bank. Oh, okay. But I don't really don't want to geek out there. More just want to let people know there is something called portfolio lending. Yeah. So if you ever hear a mortgage advisor or a loan officer say, oh, well, we have a portfolio loan for you. Cool. Okay. What that what they're probably saying is you don't fit in the box of conventional FHA, VA, or USDA. And maybe there's not a standard jumbo outlet. And they have access maybe because they are a bank. They're owned by a bank or they've partnered with a bank to offer a portfolio loan, a basically a common sense, makes sense loan. Mm-hmm. If this loan makes sense, we're willing to do it. Now, a portfolio loan may very well never be a 30-year fixed mortgage. It may only be an arm. Uh. A portfolio loan may require 25% down. Or a portfolio loan um, may very well have a higher interest rate. Hey, rates are right now somewhere between 3 and 3.5%. But if you don't fit in that box and you need to go portfolio, I know we were talking about a 30-year fix at three and a quarter percent, John, but I have good news and bad news. Bad news first, always. Bad news first is, unfortunately, your criteria doesn't match what is being required by conventional financing. So I cannot get a loan approved for you at three and a quarter percent on a 30-year fixed mortgage. But- My company, owned by a bank, the bank has a portfolio loan. Now, it's a seven-year arm, means your rate's only fixed for seven years. After seven years, it becomes adjustable. I can give it to you at four and a quarter percent. And I know you're trying to only put 15% down, but I need you to put 20% down. But we, we have a loan for you. There's nothing that says that in a year, two years, three years, once your situation mirrors what's being asked for, I can refinance you. Hit that refi button. Hit the refi button. Yep. Now, speaking of refis, really quickly, yeah. all of those loan programs, you can refinance using them too. They are refiable. Is that a- You can refi out. You can refi in. <laughs> yes. Okay. You can do conventional refinances. You can do FHA refinances. You can do VA refinances, portfolio loan refinances, as well as jumbo refis. So anything that we talked about in terms of someone looking to purchase a home in the next 30 days to 20 months, guess what? Anyone looking to refinance today, tomorrow, 12 (laughs) months from now, 24 months, we have loan programs. And these loan programs and the qualifications are going to loosely mirror what is required for a purchase. I say loosely because the minute you start pulling cash out of your house, there are going to be restrictions on your loan to value. That's like my first thought. Hey, I know I told you you could do an FHA loan and you could uh, put 3.5% down to purchase the home, 
But if you already own the home and you want to do a new loan where we pay off your current mortgage and give you cash mm -hmm. so that you can get a pool put in, so you can do a new roof, a new AC, buy two cars, go on an awesome vacation, which, by the way, it's COVID, can't really vacation. Um, nonetheless, yeah, not, you, we need to have more equity than that. Maybe let's go with, some, with, with an 80% loan to value. Mm -hmm. But caveat, and I know we're, we're stuck on time, but I just want to throw this out there. I'm going to get all geeky professor on you yeah. because I've been kind of giving you a hard time about if it ends in A. Yeah. So really to, to, to <laughs> screw with you and to confuse you a little bit. Okay. Let's say I already own a home okay. and I have an FHA loan on it. Okay. Okay. Let's say I already own a home and I have a VA loan. Now, when I bought both these homes, whether I used my FHA or my VA, I bought it for my primary home residence because I had to. Mm -hmm. But after I lived in it for three or four years and my family size grew and I was promoted, my spouse was promoted and our kids were getting ready to go to kindergarten, we moved into a different school district, but I kept that house. Therefore, my VA home loan is still on the one property. Uh -huh. My FHA home loan is on the other. Uh -huh. And you're telling me on this podcast that interest rates are at record lows. Yeah. Can I refinance my investment property okay. that I have a VA home loan on? Because look, when I bought it, I didn't buy it as an investment, right? I converted it. Correct. Same thing with my FHA. I bought it as a primary, primary. used an FHA loan. Can I just refinance it into another VA home loan? And can I refinance this into another FHA? Uh, I'm uh, Listen, my answer is going to be 50-50, right? I'm going to go with yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> that would have been my one trick question. You thought earlier I was trying to trick you and I wasn't. That would be a trick. Yeah. Okay. Yes. For anyone who's geeking out, you've made it this far into the podcast. Okay. If you haven't tuned us out yet, please know that yes, you can. That's I think I've done one or two in my entire career, wow. which in, in my career, when I was originating full time and I hadn't turned my book of business over to my partner, Kevin, I mean, I, over 2000, I think over 2000 homeowners have, have I helped and I've done two that way, but just know you can do it. Yeah. That's like a cool trivia question. If that you is. ever did like mortgage trivia, Hey, they're opening the bar soon here in Orlando. Hey, trivia night? Trivia night, yeah. Only if they can make that question a, a trivia question, like a bonus question. Only you know the answer. Oh, my gosh. That would be amazing. Um, yeah. that's Look, that's what I have for today. I could go on and on and on. She kept going. My brain hurts like I drink a Frosty too quick. But it was very informative. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. If you have any other questions, John Coleman would be more than happy to defer all of them yes, to me yes. so that I can help you out. Um, yeah, L let us know. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. We are the Loan Officer Podcast. Pretty easy to look up. Uh, if you ever need to get a hold of me, the best phone number is 407-645-6363. Just for you, for the next week, I will forward all of those calls to my cell phone. So if I am gone what? because it's after 5 p.m. and I'm in the gym doing what? deadlifts, what? the call will be forwarded to my cell phone. I'll look down on my cell phone and be like, ghosted. Eh, ghosted. <laughs> no, eh, I hope they'll leave me a message. Dude, I'm doing deadlifts. I'm not going to pick up the phone during deadlifts. Well, now you got to change your VO, your voice message, your your voice message mail to be like, hello, you reached Dustin Nolan, host of the Lone Us of Podcast, if you're calling. Yeah. <laughs> got to switch it up. Now, nah, seriously, though, um, uh, whatever we can do to help, we, we hope you found this informative. That was the purpose of it. It was very surface level. 
listen to it again, share it with your friends, let us know how we can make it better, and more importantly, let us know how we can bring value to your life. Thank you for listening. I'm D.O., he's Coleman, and we're out. Peace. Peace.